Welcome back to the True Craft Podcast. As you can probably tell from the title, today's guest is a real innovator in the app space. You can download the Great Notion app in the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, both of which are linked in the description. You can also just type in Great Notion into Google. The guest for this episode is Paul Ryder from Great Notion Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. We talk about how Great Notion got their early footing in the direct-to-consumer lane. Uh, we talk about the story and impact behind the Great Notion app, along with their collaboration with the Portland Trailblazers, and much more. All right, episode three, season four. Let's get into the episode. Staring at that canning line really lit a fire in us. Beers for everyone in society. In my opinion, the world's greatest social uniter. There's no time in my life that I didn't think, oh, this would be a good time for a beer. Paul, welcome to the True Craft Podcast. What's up, Chris? How you doing, man? It's been a minute, but I am excited to have you on the show pumped to be here dude we've we've been talking for years we finally started working together you know uh, a year ago or something like that when did we start thank you when did you when did we start talking probably at uh gabf like three years ago or no cbc like cbc maybe it was 2017 i actually we started talking 2018, but I had been following, you know, your newsletters and podcasts or whatever, you, you know, just your information you've been putting out there uh, a year or two prior to that. And you weren't open at that point. We, we were open in tw- January 1st, 2016. Okay. And I feel like someone sent me a newsletter of yours, maybe late that year or early 2017. Yeah. I remember, definitely remember meeting you face to face at CBC. I want to say it was probably Portland. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. I, I was there. I was still working for uh, this company that I'm representing with a hoodie right now uh, at the time. My, my first six to 12 months with Great Notion, I was 50-50 and still in my old job, you know, half, half in, half out. What was your old job? Selling technology. Uh, it's, it's kind of boring, but I made good money. I sold e-discovery software to lawyers at banks. Oh, weird. Niche market, dude. Niche market. Yeah. Mm-hmm e-discovery software to like in-house counsel at banks uh more compliance professionals uh, it's, okay. uh, it's some big brother shit which is kind of funny because my old hip-hop group back in the day in high school was called big brother resistance and oh, then really? I'm selling, fast forward i'm selling big brother surveillance software uh but it's actually to protect investors right so if you work with an like um, a broker dealer or just a, an investment advisor they're not allowed to just pump specific stocks they can't say like Dude, I guarantee if you buy Apple tomorrow, you know, it'll be worth a billion a share a week later. They're not allowed to use the specific word like guarantee, for example, right? right? Or else it gets flagged by a compliance officer at that company and the investment advisor gets in trouble. Um, so I would sell this email surveillance software, which later become became text message surveillance, instant message surveillance, Facebook surveillance, you know, like these guys have to have all their shit monitored by compliance officers. And if the company gets sued, you know, the lawyers need, we're going way too much in the, into this stuff and not in the beer. I'm going to stop. <laughs> it sounds like some Edward Snowden shit. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's scary, dude. That's scary, scary stuff. I wonder where that guy is, by the way. I don't know, man. I hope he's not hiding in my house though. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where'd he go after Russia? Uh, I think he's still in Russia. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know. I've fallen through Joe Rogan, which is the, the, the sorriest source ever, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so hip hop compliance, how did you get into beer? My neighbors. Uh, so actually when I had moved to port, I moved to Portland, Oregon from Philly back in, um, what year are we in, dude? I don't know. Back, back in 2005 and Portland, you know, we've been in Mecca of, of beer for, for decades now. And, you know, I started with the, the much larger regional folks. Like when I got here, you know, Whitmer and taking their tours and everything and, and Deschutes and so mm-hmm. on Bridgeport. Right. They were all super banging to me when, you know, when I first moved here back in 05. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how I got started into, into craft beer. Cause back in Philly, it was all just yingling, yingling everywhere, really, you know, um, yeah, they have tons of great, awesome, uh, craft breweries, but yeah. So my neighbors eventually started, uh, let me taste their homebrew. James and Andy are my co-founders. They lived a couple doors down from me. And the three of us were literally just neighbors on the block, friends, kids would play together and they got me drunk on their homebrew. And it had blown my mind to try a hazy IPA back in 2014. Right. No one was doing nothing like that up here in the West coast and the Northwest. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, what is this? Like, to me, IPAs were getting too bitter, too hoppy, right? To me, IBUs, whatever. And it, James made something like a Juice Junior, a juice box in his bedroom. He, he was trying to clone Heady Topper. Mm-hmm. And I had tr- never tried anything like that. It blew my fucking mind. I was like, dude, like, what are you guys doing? Like, why don't you have a brewery already? And, you know, my my co-founders just said like, well, we talked about Open One. We don't know where to start or, yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk to a bank or a lawyer or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I love that shit, you know? Let, let me do that. Right. I was like, right. let's let's start a company, dude, you know? Because, um. I had just gotten an MBA and I was excited to stop selling this compliance software and do something fun on my own. And so, you know, we, we kind of fit like Voltron. The, my one partner has got a science background. My other partner is an artist, James. He's all about the recipe creation, you know, and I'm the business guy. I told them like, just make the best beer in the world. I'll handle everything else. Like I love sales, marketing, finance operations, um, you know, and fast forward today. And, and that's kind of what happened. When you first tasted the hazy IPA, was it like, just like nectar just yeah juice. dude it was like orange juice like it looked like orange juice and tasted like it i was like this ain't beer come on dude like, what the fuck is this you know and nobody in portland was doing it at the time no dude no and no, no customers like even knew about it because then when we first opened a year later like customers were like what the fuck is this you know unless they were from the east coast they had never heard of a hazy ipa even and at the time everyone was calling them new england style ipas right because you had heady topper you had treehouse you had those guys doing it Yep. And making waves, but I feel like the Pacific Northwest are like the OGs and they would, they would like sh- shun that or frown on that. And they did. Yeah. Like other breweries were talking smack on us. You know, they, they eventually, everyone did one eventually. We're all friends now, you know, sure. but a lot of people were hating at first. Right. And so then you organized the band, you put the band together and got, got it going. 2016, you open, you have we how bought, many locations so- now? So in 2015, we looked for different places, you know, we were going to buy a building or we were going to, you know, rent a huge warehouse, whatever. But then through my old company, um, I lucked out in a couple of ways, you know, it has taken me to a couple of cool places. It actually helped us find our Albert, our first location because my CEO, the, my ex CEO's um, administrative assistant, her husband's best friend was trying to sell his group, you know, on the DL, he was look, potentially looking to sell his group up. And so that's how we were able to acquire a company called the Mashton. It's this only only brewery on Alberta, and we had been the only brewery on Alberta up until like two weeks ago. Now that now there's another one finally, our friends at Barelick. But uh, yeah, so we were able to acquire an existing group up, jump right in. All the you know, we just came in one day and we're like, all right, everyone, 
we're the new owners. You all still work here. Isn't that cool? So it was like, we never lost revenue on that place, even for a day. Like it was still open. We had to run it just like a, a beer bar for six months until we got our TTB license. But it was cool because it helped us to fix the place up, do a little Japanese Kaizen, you know, every day gets, make something a little bit better. So one, right. you know, one week we'd be like, let's focus on the fries. Let's make the fries a little bit better every day, you know? And uh, yeah. Did that location have a brew house in it or yes. was it? Yep. Okay. We acquired an existing brew pub. And when we bought it, there was already like a couple barrels of beer there, you know? So we got to sell through that beer, his old beer over the next couple months too. So that was kind of like free product, you know, that we're sitting yeah. there free inventory to sell, which was great. Uh, except the beer sucked, the food sucked. So it was our job to turn it all around, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I remember you telling me you connected with a really stellar cook or chef early on who's... Yep. Yeah, a, co- a couple months into it, uh, James's old friend from some uh, from some hippie band in Berkeley. Uh, he he was he was running um, a restaurant up in Portland, and you know Ryan is now our COO, but he's been with us since December 2015, I think. Um, so he's been with us a very long time, and he moved up from chef to you know GM GM of Alberta location to regional manager to whatever comes after that director operations, you know, VP of operations. And he's, he's had a lot of promotions along the way. Cool. Tell me what your sales philosophy is on selling beer. Uh, Great question. You know, um, our our primary goal is to sell 99% of our beer direct to consumers, right? Mm -hmm. We've always been from the very beginning DTC focused, you know, at the beginning, we tried to do it just like Treehouse, you know, to use them, for example, again, where mm-hmm. people would line up outside. We'd say we did announce on Instagram. We were hardcore Instagram focused, right? That's where we're going to do our marketing from the from the gate, right? Hardcore Instagram focused. Um, hey, everyone, you know, here's the beer we're brewing right now. Get ready in two weeks. We're going to drop it. And then the next week, hey, it's getting better. You know, so we we hype the beer up. And so we kind of followed Supreme's hype style too. Supreme, the clothing company right out of New York. Um, we, we would just hype this shit up and then say, all right, here it is Friday at 9am, get it. Right. And there'd be a line around a block to come get the beer. Um, and that was D to C just in person. Right. But, um, back in 2017, we started talking about how we could continue to sell beer direct to consumers. Uh, I think, you know, where I'm going with this, right. Um, how yep. can we sell beer direct to consumers without shelling out half a million dollars every time we want to open a new location? Right. Because that's roughly what it is, is anywhere from a couple hundred grand to a million, depending on how big you want to go. Do you want a kitchen? Do you need a right. hood? Right. Things like that. Um, do you need a huge cooler or just a small one? How many taps you want? All that shit. Right. So basically, roughly a half a million. Right. Or we could sell direct to consumers. We could deliver to their house. Postmates was taken off and stuff like that at the time mm-hmm. and DoorDash and all that stuff. Or are we allowed to ship? So we started looking into what states we were legally allowed to ship to. Now, everyone else just started doing this, right, a, a year ago or whatever, or once the pandemic hit. We started right. researching the shit back in 2017 and started building out an app. The answer was, we're going to build a mobile app where customers can order direct from Great Notion. We could put it in a beautiful package and try to sell direct to consumer. And so we started, yeah, we started working what, on going B to C way back then. Was this app like off the shelf, like one of these stock apps, or was this like fully developed by you guys? No, they didn't have stock app, you know, back 2017. They, for they do now. They do for beer now. Yeah, I think like uh, the next class, you know, company platform, whatever, just bought something like that and is trying to launch it. Yeah, no, ours is slick as shit. We, we basically said back in 2017 that we loved apps from Nike and Adidas and Supreme and these super badass retail companies mm-hmm. where there's lots of hype and where there's a great aftermarket for this stuff. And we want it to look as slick as those. 
Now, unfortunately, at the time, I thought it would only cost like 50 grand or something like that. And I'm not going to say how much, but I paid a lot, 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 lot more. And it's taken way, 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 way longer. So, you know, we started working on it back then. Um, and then, unfortunately, we weren't able to even launch it. It's unfortunate and fortunate. Unfortunately, we had to wait a very long time to launch it, but very, very fortunate. It was ready right at the time the pandemic hit. So right. pandemic hit roughly March 2020, right, I think. Um, our app dropped April 2020. You know, um, at, at the start, it was just for pickup only. And then we quickly added delivery and shipping at the end of 2020. Yeah. Um, so now we've been one year into biz uh, on the app where where we can also ship and that's been amazing to add new states to it yeah so i will tell you that most of the breweries most of the states got a reprieve like a three to six month reprieve of in-state direct consumer and i would say that i'm a dummy what's that word mean they got like a reprieve like the governor came out and said all right you're you're forced to be closed down but you can do to go Ah, or you can do direct to consumer it was some sort of like grace period where they could right. do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I would say a lot of them just sat on it. I would mm-hmm. say the majority of people that I know just kind of sat on it because they couldn't spin up a direct. Some did get a, a quick delivery system going and, and started right. delivering like in a five mile radius or 10 mile radius. Yeah. But you know, those went away pretty quickly. And I was talking to Bart in one of the other seasons, Bart, Watson from the BA. And I said, you know, what's the, when is beer going to look like wine? When can breweries do beer clubs, direct shipping all over the country, you know, like something happened along the way for wine 20, 30 years ago. That was just monumental. They spent a lot, a lot of money lobbying every state is what happened. Yeah. And so, you know, most of the wineries, they, they don't care what they sell out of their vineyard tasting room whatever it's called mm-hmm. i mean they they want that they want that club right they want you they want the membership yeah and they'll keep sending you wine until you fend them off with a a, mm-hmm. a knife and sword so yeah, has like the old cd clubs oh man <laughs> bmg bmg baby yeah yeah i remember that. how many times did you sign up and then cancel then sign up and cancel all Just the time to get that free 12 cds or whatever it was yeah <laughs> All the time. I, I remember the first CD I got from that club was CNC Music Factory. Nice. I think yeah. mine was Nirvana. I don't remember, but yeah, nice. <laughs> I probably got a Nirvana CD too. But I'll never forget opening it up and just seeing that CD and being like, "Wow, this is yeah. this is incredible." Mm-hmm. Um, was it still the long box days? Remember the uh, longer no, I, no, I don't. I don't remember those. I remember. It I think like those just, came first at like the Wall or Tower Records or whatever. Yeah, and then they went to the small plastic wrap. Yeah. Cool. Back to beard up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell us about the, the app. Has it, has it been worth it? Or oh, wait, like, actually, hold on. I was waiting. Did Bart give any good news there? Or no? Oh, Oh, sorry. I forgot about that. Uh, he said they're, they're working on it and they will continue to bring the conversation up. It's, it's only a matter of time before it happens, but he didn't, he didn't give any, any sort yeah. of, any sort of uh, of timeline. Yeah, because I mean, he probably needs to charge. We all need to pay a lot more on some dues or something to actually make it happen, right? So that they can, the point is so that they can then hire, or maybe it's just in each guild around the country. We all need to pay some more dues so that the guild can hire another lobbyist right. so lobby can petition each state. Yeah, I mean, that could be an approach. But if you look at the, if you look at the, 
the spectrum of breweries, right? You have 9,000 breweries in the US. What, 85% of them are less than 1,000 barrels or 75% are less than 1,000 barrels a year, okay. right? They're, they're producing a product for their tap room and their local neighborhood. Yeah. If tomorrow a green light turned on and everyone was allowed to go DTC, like, like what impact would that 85% of 9,000 breweries have on big beer? I, I, don't, I don't see much of an impact. Right, I, right. I see, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, I, but I, I guess the big beers are so beholden to their stadiums and chains and all that kind of stuff that they, they don't, they don't care. Right. They, right. they, yeah, I don't think they, they, they hold. Do. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to, no, no person who actually drinks Bud Light is going to fucking order direct from Bud Light. They're just going to go to their fucking corner store or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to think of like the, the the macro impact. I think it would be very minimal, and it would it would help keep you know craft beer drinkers. But I, but I do think the demographic is shifting, right? The demographic is getting older. I don't think there's a loss of craft drinkers. I think it's just moving up now in the in the process of um, right. as as people get older, right? Um. So yeah. So I I wouldn't say that Bart gave any definite. Got it uh outlook on on the yeah. dtc but but he said there that would be the next natural yeah. progression i mean one shitty thing happened for anyone listening that cares is we just lost nevada that sucked but like two months ago nevada literally just pulled the rule back and out-of-state breweries cannot ship into nevada anymore luckily we got to take advantage of it for a few months um but not anymore but hopefully uh i think a green light got passed in alabama um, though I'm just going to assume there's more drinkers in Nevada than Alabama. So it won't be a wash, but hopefully that one gets turned on and permissioned and allowed within the next month or two. Oh, wow. Okay. How, how are you keeping up with all this? This information? Uh, We use a company called Sovos that helps keep us up to date with it. And they feed you the information on like which states yeah, are... they're, they're really big in the wine industry for helping with wine compliance, um, both in terms of legality, like limits, Mm -hmm. um, as well as helping you to upload, like if you need your colas uploaded to the state, um, and then also with excise taxes and sales taxes. Uh, so we're one of their first, I think we're their literally second brewery client, uh, to use them, but there's, there's more now. That's just, we were the second one we signed up yeah. maybe six months ago or something like that, or eight months ago. Okay. So you built this custom app fully mm -hmm. developed by your, your people or your, your developers. Tell us two years later what what the outcome has been as far as sure. was it yeah. was it good was it was it a good move uh it's a great yeah it was and still is a, a great move in my mind um and we're continuing to iterate on it so we're continuing to spend a very portion uh as you know because you do our finances chris but a very heavy investment into the app we're continuing because we want new features in it we want to make it easier for customers to buy beer. We want to make it more fun and sticky, right? I want to keep customers in our app. That's more valuable to us to, you know, get their data, find out what they like in the app, right? So then we can market back to them better, right? Um, and so now we know like what styles of beer they like, how often they order, you know, um, just, I'm not, I'm not going to throw specific numbers out there, but 20% of the people who have downloaded the app and created an account are people who have made a significant portion of purchases on the app. So I think the, the average number of purchases per someone who has actually made a purchase on the app is seven, right? Which is really great. 
Um, and so, yeah, so for, for us, I think it's a fantastic investment. Um, 11 is the amount of returning purchasers. So people who have bought more than once, so two or more purchases, those people, the average is 11 purchases. And wow. it's still a really decent amount of people. So yes, people are digging the app, they're using it. It's helping them so that they don't have to come line up, you know, to, to get our beer anymore. Um, they get a day and a half, they get until the fall, whatever day they purchase on, they get until the next day, the close of business, the next day to come pick the beer up. Or again, we just ship to, I think it's like 13 states now and we've unlocked state. That's something we didn't talk about, but for anyone listening, you know, right off the bat, you're allowed to legally ship from your state into, I think it's uh, 10 other states. We then opened up uh, tap room in Seattle that then allowed us to ship throughout the state of Washington. And once we unlock that, we're now allowed to ship into the state of Pennsylvania from our retail business in Washington. So we're not allowed to ship from our Portland brewery into Pennsylvania, but we are from our Washington tap room into Pennsylvania. Um, and then recently we opened a brewery, you know, you're not allowed to ship direct to customers in California unless you own a brewery in California. So we built a brewery in California so that we can start mm -hmm. shipping direct to customers in California. Um, we might do the same in other states. We might go to New York or Massachusetts or Florida or wherever. You know, we're talking about what to do next. It's just a matter of resources, dude. You know, all this shit takes years, right? For anyone listening right. that has more than one tap room or even one tap room, you know, building it. Dude, just finding the location takes months. Negotiating a lease takes months. Construction takes way more than months. Permitting takes months. All that shit. So if you're planning on growing and want to open like two tap rooms next year, we're realizing you got to start looking now at five of them, right? Because right. many of them are going to get stalled years. You might not land any of them, you know? So we're already way behind the curve on where we wanted to be this calendar year. We wanted to open our California tap room back in January of 2021. Unfortunately, it just opened and started selling beer, you know, a month ago. So stuff is always, always, always delayed. Yeah. Do you know what the loophole with having a brewery in DC is? I, I know there's some like DC you can ship to five or six states. I, I or do you, uh, are you familiar with any of it? Oh, I don't know that? about this loophole. I do know we are legally allowed to ship in DC, so I don't know if there's a different loophole. But if so, please let me know. I thought if you are a supplier, a producer in DC, you it opens up a ton of opportunity. Okay. I actually learned this at. CBC this past year when one of the Sovos guys was on panel. Okay. I think you were supposed to be on that panel. Yeah. And and uh he mentioned something about DC being uh, an open like the hot open, one to open up in. Okay. Yeah, I need to follow up on that because if we can go there and then open up the five other states, that would be rad. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Let's talk about your uh partnership with the Trailblazers. I'm excited about that. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, that I, I don't know how I'm judging the ROI on that right now, um, if it's worth it or not, because no, it's expensive. Uh, and we got lucky that we, so here's our deal. Our partnership is uh, specifically like a social media one or new media one. Our goal was for them to promote our app, right? I, I just want more, more app users. I want more people to get in our app because if they do, chances are they're going to buy beer and then buy it again and again. again right? sure. So um, we paid a lot of money uh, for them to promote our app uh, on their own app. So at all times we have an inline ad in their app and it's full page six times a year. Um, once at every game for one minute, we get our logo and it says like download the app, keep beer fun, which is our slogan right now. And it goes all around this 360 ring around the whole stadium. 
It also mentions it not on the huge Jumbotron, but right under it for one minute. And then we also get a couple other things like one cool perk season tickets, which is dope. What it does not guarantee is our beer being sold in the stadium um, because they have to keep that stuff separate because there's a concession stand company that manages all that. That's not the actual Trailblazers. But they did some super amazing uh, introductions and handshakes. And somehow our beer is now in the stadium, which is great. Mm -hmm. And you can find it at five places throughout the stadium, which is awesome. So that helps create more awareness. The unfortunate thing is we have zero control over that, like where it is in the stadium, right? if it's draft or can, if the people pouring it know anything about it, and they don't, you know. Um, what styles do you send to the stadium or what style? Uh, we definitely send Ripe. That's our hazy IPA where we change the the beer can um, to, to look like a Trailblazers character. It's not allowed to be a Trailblazers beer. They officially, uh, the Blazers officially have a partnership with Deschutes um to give them the exclusive right to put a trailblazer like outfit on their can or to be an official trailblazer beer so we do not have an official trailblazer beer i'll say that now Mm -hmm. but we have a character of ours playing basketball wearing red and black because why can't he wear red and black right and why can't he play basketball right so yeah so we got a skeleton that's our version of a trailblazer supportive beer but it's not an official trailblazer beer. so we sell that one in the stadium um and then we're allowed to make merch and advertise the same exact looking can digitally and on merch with a trailblazer outfit on. It just can't be on a can of beer. Okay. So we got a can that's like an all red outfit skeleton playing basketball. And then we have a t-shirt and a digital ad showing the same thing, but in an actual blazer thing. Yeah. 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 Whatever. It's hard to judge the ROI though, man. Like for example, the other night at the stadium, we had a full page ad on the trailblazers app. And so every customer walking into the blazer game, that pulled up the Blazer app to like check in as they go into the game, they saw a full page ad for Great Notion. Um, the, the first time we did it, 2,500 people clicked on it on that QR code, which took them to the download page. And then only like 250 people downloaded it. Uh, so I don't know, 15,000 people at the stadium that night, only 250 downloaded it. So who knows? I don't know, man. I don't know how to judge that ROI. Yeah. Speaking of stadium styles, I've seen a shift over the years in the beginning it was hey craft will let you in just like you said we'll put you in a few spots maybe on a few carts we want something light and now stadiums are stepping up and saying give us 16 ounces give us 19.2 of whatever you want it can be a double ipa it can be a hazy double it could be a just a regular hazy ipa and so they're they're starting to offer more and I, i think for stadiums, it's a, it's a volume game, right? They want to sell more beers and they want people like, they don't want to promote intoxication, but, and I would just, I would think that they would want the lighter beers, but I'm glad they've come around to, to opening up different styles and, and, and and offering different stuff to customers. Here in Portland, they said the IPAs are number one hot seller, right? They don't, I don't think they want our IP uh, doubles though. They don't want our doubles. And then we thought fruited beers would do well. They're doing okay. You know, yep. people like our blueberry muffin, but they mostly just want an IPA from us. Yeah. Speaking of fruited beers, whose idea was that? Uh, it was James and Andy's, mostly James, I think, right at the beginning. Uh, he did a blueberry muffin kind of beer uh, right at the beginning where he actually put in all these Costco blueberry muffins in the beer. Yeah. And people are just blown away by the, the aroma. And we, we stuck with it. People love that beer, dude. That one used to get the longest lines at GABF ever. Mm-hmm. But you guys do more fruity beers than just the blueberry muffin, right? Totally. Yeah. That was, so that was at the beginning. 
actually since the pandemic started over the past two years, like people want out of our production, it's been 60% fruited beers, 30% IPAs and 10%, you know, lagers and stouts. So, so fruited beers took off for us insane, um, two years ago and this year, but it's slowly coming back where now we're, we're selling more IPAs again. Yeah. But just, we, we had this humongous, uh, audience of cannabis industry folks that uh for some reason all of them have uh, an instagram handle that has the word dabs in it like dabzilla or daposaurus yeah. rex or whatever right so the people who love dabs love our fruited sours they love okay. the smoothie beers like the 415 r style director style like f- smoothie beers so we do one called mellifluous and then we have a couple others uh but yeah those beers are like 49 percent fruit when you say smoothie beers, like give me an example of one. And what's have you flavor? ever had an Odd Wallace smoothie? Yes, they're that. They're that, dude. They're they're literally like a fucking breakfast smoothie with a little bit of beer in it. That's that's what these are, and they're the hot. What's shit, the, what's right? the ABV? Six. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anybody locally here doing smoothie beers i mean everyone has a hazy everyone has the traditional styles but um the the stuff you're describing i don't think is in florida or not at least not in jacksonville yeah i don't know we'll do we'll basically make like 30 barrels of a beer that's maybe like 12 percent right of a sour beer and then we'll double the volume with 30 barrels of fruit puree and so wow. now you have a beer now we have 60 barrels of beer that is six percent right because the alcohol mm-hmm. got the food from and that's what it is. And dude, those sell really, really, really well. All yeah, across country. But yeah, I want to, everyone gives props to 450 North. They were probably the first one to do that. Um, and yeah, now, now people love that shit, dude. Cool. Yeah. What's in store for you guys next year? What's, what's 2022 looking like? I'd say uh, heavy focus on California. That's, that's where we're going. So we're going to just expand down in, in Sacramento because right now we didn't open a tap room. We just opened a shipping fulfillment center and brewery where people mm-hmm. can pick up this. It wasn't a good locate. The one we, the, the location we scored was great for fulfillment. It's just not amazing for a tap room. So we're looking at a dope downtown tap room. We're going to probably open something in the Bay as well. We're, lo- we're looking at Oakland, looking pretty hard over there. And then also Eastern Seattle. I feel like we need another location up there and we're just not really well known up in Seattle at all. Even though we have two two locations up there, it's so close to Portland, but you know it's it's very significant population increase from Portland, right? A lot more people, a lot more money because of um, Amazon up there and, and Microsoft yep. and everything. So we feel there's a lot of room for growth for us up there. So we're going to keep expanding up and down the the West Coast, and then potentially look to ship into more states if we're allowed, and keep expanding on our app, man. We want to keep beer fun. That's our slogan. Mm-hmm. We want more people to have fun and play the games and the augmented reality characters we're putting into our app. Cool. Are you a proponent of food at each of your taproom locations or pub locations? We were, and and now we're not just due to the pandemic and the headaches of, you know, finding good cooks and keeping good cooks. So we're, we're scaling back our food program. Oh, really? So that's kind of the opposite of what I'm seeing though. I mean, it, New locations that you open up, let's say in, in Oakland or the Bay Area, will not have food? Correct. Oh, wow. That's a bold statement there, Paul. We we were doing it. We were expanding with food. We built a whole kitchen up in Ballard. Uh, 
And then all of a sudden we couldn't find cooks at all. Or if we could, they were insanely expensive. Um, And then they were not reliable. And just also with inflation and food costs going up like crazy. So we're scaling back our food program. Okay. So the, so then the tap room, let's just say the, the hypothetical Oakland tap room, that's going to be a spot where someone can come drink and pick up, pick up beer. That's it. Uh, We'd like to allow food. We just don't want to own the food component. Dude, you're taking it back to like 2012, bro. I know it's like that for a lot of people up in like uh, Seattle, for example, right? Like we're the only brewery up there to actually have a kitchen, right? Like most of them just have a food truck outside, right? right. And I think that was a smart model because they don't have to deal with the headaches of food. Cooks yeah. not showing up, dude. What do you do when cooks just don't fucking show up for their shift, man? Then your manager's back there making burgers. Then the customer service suffers. Well, I write about this all the time that, you know, you really got to shift your expectations when you bring in a food program. It's It's critical to have one, but you've got to shift the expectations because you're dealing with a population that kind of ticks at their own, their own clock. You know, they, they look and um, it's just, it's, it's a hard business. You're right. It's, it's a hard business to, to, to get into. And but if you, you can know, find like a catering company or something like that, or maybe you, maybe you build a little kitchen and then sublet it to someone, right. You know, find a popular food truck and, and sublease your kitchen, do something like that. I do want us to have food available. I just don't want our company to waste our time and energy on managing it. I think as a beer company, we should be making and selling beer and ways yeah. to better sell the beer. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at Justin Cox, Atlas Brew Works out of Washington, D.C., has partnered with a, a badass pizza restaurant. And they opened up a location by the National Stadium, like four blocks away from the National Stadium. And it's, he's done really, really, really well with that. And like you said, he doesn't have to worry about the cooks. He doesn't have to worry about the management. He doesn't have to worry about the scheduling. He just shows up. They do their beer. He, he built the kitchen to spec for his, his food partner. And they're going to possibly do it again. So I, that's what I'm saying. That's the ticket right there, man. (laughs) Do you think if you bring in a food partner, there's some brand dilution there, or if it's done well, there's no. No brand dilution. No brand dilution if it's done well. Okay. I mean, maybe I mean there's a million deals you can work out. You can even private label the whole thing. Right. We we talked with a local pizza place about maybe doing that at one of our locations where every morning they just drop off like 50 pizzas and we just reheat the slices and call it Great Notion Pizza, but it's really yeah. this other local amazing pizza company anyway, you know. Or maybe there's a benefit to having this top-notch pizza brand in there, you know? Yeah. Each person should choose what's what's right for their location, you know? Yeah. Let, let, let's take, let's get your take on what's hot and what's not in food and breweries. So like, what, what do you, what do you get excited about when you walk into a, a pub and, and see like, what style of food do you, you think pairs well with beer? Great question, man. Um, I haven't been going out much in the past two years, but. <laughs> But my personal tastes on on food, what I'm digging is, you know, the Asian fusions, like, for example, Eam here in Portland is, you know, the hottest Thai chef paired with the dopest Texas barbecue guy paired with the dopest, like, cocktail bartender. The three of them got a location together. It's a triple whammy. So you go in, you got the big, sick cocktail drinks, and then you have, like, this Thai pork steak that's been smoked for 20 hours by the best barbecue dude in town, like, Stuff like that. So I was talking with, um, who was it? It was Marcus from Weathered Souls was saying they have something like that down in Texas where it's like 
one of the dopest Vietnamese spots paired with this sick, like barbecue smoker person. And they're doing kind of that same thing. He thinks they kind of stole the idea from up at Eam, but yeah, I think shit like that gets my mouth watering like crazy. And then I just want to crush it with, I'm really, really feeling the dry hop loggers right now. Like we just did a dry hop Hellas with Derek from Moxa. It's called Northern light and it's, it's out of this world. So that's my favorite style of beer right now too. Yeah. So what I'm seeing pop up and, and what gets me excited is, is some heat. So there's, um, you have true brewing in Denver that paired with a hot, uh, Nashville hot chicken kitchen, or I don't oh, know yeah. if you call it Nashville hot chicken, but it's hot chicken kitchen. Cool. And then you got outer range up in Frisco that has uh, a Thai chicken, uh, in their brewery. That's what's Thai up. Ki- Dude. It's so good. It's so legit. Um, I, I, you know, the, the pizza, the, Tacos are always uh, a, a mainstay. I, I really think I say over and over that once you have accessible food to people, that your beer sales should go up about thirty percent. And I think that if you can do the food with intention, it's a guaranteed thirty plus, right? Right. Beer sales. And so I, um, I'm still waiting for for someone to come out with uh, a not. So wait. So offering. that's that's your food sales will ad revenue plus your beer sales will also increase by 30% is your statistic, right? Correct. I'm saying, yeah, yes. So you have the food component, which will bring in additional revenue and additional margin and additional profit mm-hmm. if it's run well. But if it, even if that's run break even, I'm saying that your beer program will increase 30%. Right. Okay. Cool. At the tap room. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, you know, pre pre-pandemic we used to do like 30 30 30 30 revenue came from food 30 percent from draft beer 30 percent packaged beer to go and it, all that's shifted now everything's fucked up these days but yeah right that's what, that's what it used to be so we used to have a very heavy you know revenue stream from food yeah well if it's done well i mean everyone's got to eat no one has to drink that's another one of my slogans yeah so I'm waiting for someone to come out with the ultimate nacho offering i think nachos are such an easy not may, they don't have to be easy. It can be complicated, but I think it's shareable. I think it, it's fulfilling. I think people, it's got that salty aspect to it. It's got that. Are you I saying you I. want? Are you saying you want a brewery to literally only do nachos? Yeah, different nacho offerings. Just the nacho bar. Nacho bar, dude. Yeah, but it's like a menu. It's not like you're walking right. up to a buffet like a Golden right. Corral and like scooping <laughs> that shit yourself. <laughs> it's like Although, you want like, that would be cool. Post pandemic, that could be fucking cool. Though. <laughs> <laughs> You don't even know what a buffet in Portland is, do you? They're on every corner here in Jacksonville. Nope. Not, I mean, definitely not now with the pandemic. No, but pre-pandemic, uh, they one, one of the great ones back in the day was at uh, one of the most famous. Um, what's the? What is there a PC word for a strip club? I don't know. <laughs> you know, gentlemen's club. Uh, yeah, a gentlemen's club. But the a famous one here called the Acrop, the Acropolis. Uh, the rumor was always that the owner owned a cattle ranch. So he had these $3 fillets or $3 ribeyes that were out of this world. They were literally $3 too, but, the, but they had this little buffet that if you went up there, the guy would even have like his homegrown asparagus from their own farm, like My at God. the buffet at the new bar. <laughs> that is so funny, man. Mm-hmm. So we know some high end buffets. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What yeah. else we got, Chris? What, what do we talk about on this thing? And, and where's Adam? Is this, are we, we're filming this for, this is for 2022, right? Yeah, this is for 2022. Got it. Cool. So, I mean, for all the listeners, there was an email snafu. Adam was supposed to be invited. Adam, 
Adam was not supposed to be invited, but was invited to join us. Got it. And <laughs> we, in a side conversation, we're like, that was a mistake. Um, so we've had a reschedule. Yeah, and I wasn't even bring, I wasn't even bringing it up because of that. Sorry. I was bringing it up because I went to your website before this to look at, I was like, Oh, who got put on here just recently too. And like, I saw Maria's name, for example, but it said like Adam was the co-host this whole season. Right. Right. So this season we're not doing uh, a co-host and I'll announce that early on the, the, the co-host thing was great for the first three seasons. It was just, it was a lot of work for yeah. imagine recording 10 episodes with me and then 10 episodes right. with a guest. Yeah. It was a ton of work, dude. Mm -hmm. And so we may bring okay. back the co-host. You know, I ripped, you, you would appreciate this. I ripped the co-host off of um, Hard Knocks, you know, cool. the NFL show, Yeah. Mm -hmm. how they, how they go and they highlight a new NFL team each year. Yeah. yeah. I was mm -hmm. like, let me, let me do that each season. And, yep. but I'll have, I'll have a sidekick with me. Cool. Or you could even have a guest host on each one. Might be cool. It, that's even too much. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine coordinating. Oh yeah. I, we may bring it back, but imagine coordinating like this session now and then saying, all right, you got to stay on for 30 more minutes. Right, right, right. Gotcha. And I, I just wanted to move to like a conversation format. Like yep. the first three seasons were so structured that I think we hit it all. Um, let me, let me cool. finish up with asking you about crypto. Where, yes. Where's your, where's your, where's your pulse on crypto? Uh, I think I do think it's a great buy still, but there's too many out there, right, to get lost. Yeah. So if if I was someone just getting into crypto, and I, and I never read too much, and I'm not hardcore, but you know I have a little bit of money in in regular, just actual Bitcoin, and then Ether uh, is is where I have some money. I did attempt to buy. I own one NFT. I bought the NFT. It's a stupid cat, you know, it's a crypto cat or whatever. Sure. And I only bought it because its name was Mellifluous Doodoo -doo Cat. And Malouflouis is the name of our um, smoothie beer. So mm -hmm. I bought it and then was going to sell it back to Great Notion. So then we could do like an auction or something like that, along with the first Malouflouis. But I don't know how to find out it's worth. So I can't sell it back to Great Notion. I paid roughly 300, which was fucking stupid. It also took me like literally like five hours to figure out how to purchase it. And I had to open like six accounts and I probably lost some money along the way and lost some crypto <laughs> along the way. <laughs> Where does it live? Where does this digital asset live? It's on my phone, maybe. No, I don't know. Technically, <laughs> it's on the fucking, on the what? The Ethernet or something. I think it lives on Ether or something like that. But it's stupid because I can't even like zoom into it. Like, I I guess I own it on my phone, right? I could pull it up, but then I can't even zoom into it. So like, if I tried to show you now, you couldn't even fucking see it, dude. It's so stupid. <laughs> Reach out to the, the artist and say, hey, man, can I, can can you I sell unlock back, this dude? thing? I'm, I'm going to try to pull up. I haven't looked at it in months. I'm going to try to see if I can even pull it up in my phone. I'm oh, wondering. I'm wondering about the NFT play in alcohol if there is one. And oh, I, I can't even know it. There you go. So here's one. Oh, it's great. Yeah. So I own this fucking blue and purple cat called Dudu Mellifluous Rumpus. Does anyone out there want to buy this thing? Please. I will only accept. Three hundred and one dollars. I just want to make a profit. It's like, actually, I got to add in the time. My five hours is probably worth at least five thousand. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> Easily. So I think that uh, if you Wait, if hold you on. want turn the cards, how about you? Do you own any crypto or, or NFTs? I don't. I don't own any crypto. I'm thinking about getting into it. I have uh, more interested in ether than I am Bitcoin. I think that. And I'm also waiting for more places to accept Bitcoin mm -hmm. or accept crypto. I've, I've had a lot of questions come up lately from breweries saying, hey, can we accept crypto? They're 
there's a small vendor we use that wants to pay us in crypto or there's no accounts paying crypto, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking about getting into it. I just don't know where to, I'm so busy. I don't know where to get into it, man. Yeah. I don't know. I just started last year. It was last November. So it's like a year and a month. I just started setting my thing to like 50 bucks a week or whatever, just auto buy Bitcoin. And I did that for like six or eight months or something like that. Yeah. Actually, I did that for that and Ether, a small amount. I, I forget exactly what I did, but something like that. What I did. That way you get your um, average, what's it called? Like the average cost, dollar, whatever the fucking word is. Sure. Yeah. Dollar cost average is the word, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. So I do recommend get started now. Why not? Plus, I think it just took a big dip. I think I read about that. So it's a good time to get in. Yeah, I'll look into it. Cool. I'll look into it. Tell us where we can learn more about Great Notion. Greatnotion.com. Just type in yes. Great Notion in Google. We should be the first thing to pop up. Download the app, man. You, you guys should all check it out. I've thought in the past, and I'm sure it's only other breweries that listen to this, really, right? Because it's a brewery business focused thing. But I've, yeah. I've thought in the past about potentially licensing out our app to other breweries. It's definitely a revenue stream we could do at some point. I don't know. I haven't looked too hard into what I would need to do to do it. But we do own all the code, not my developers. You know, we we own intellectual property ever. So we could do that. We've thought about it. I just don't know how how much I'd charge for something like that, too. Um, I'm sure. Could it be white labeled very easily? Um, probably not easily, but it can. I mean, that's the goal, right? If if we did that, that's the goal. Right. But also by not doing it, it makes our brewery, you know, a billion times more valuable than these other breweries, right? Because we own sure. intellectual property for an app that. I'll just say close to a hundred thousand people are on, you know, so, or have downloaded and created an account for, you know, so I think it makes us much more valuable in future yep. investors eyes that, that want to help us grow, you know? Sure. All right. So great notion.com. Great notion. Anything else? Uh, no, that that's it, man. Just check, check out our app. Let us know what you think. And, uh, I hope, I just want to give a shout out to every other brewery out there that's ever provided us inspiration or ones coming up now. Like love you guys and girls and love you people. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, hopefully 2022 is much better than 21 and 20, you know, hopefully we're, we're out of this mess and lots of people start coming out to the tap rooms and buying and drinking beer again, everyone. Amen, brother. Thanks, Paul. Cool. Thanks for all your help, Chris. Chris and Paul. Chris, sign up for, sign up for SBS, by the way. He's amazing. <laughs> Chris and Polly out. Peace. Peace, buddy. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Craft Podcast. Links to cool information about our guests and other fun facts can be found in the show notes. The show is produced by Josh Barnhart and sponsored by Small Batch Standard. Small Batch Standard is the premier financial agency built to serve the craft brewing industry. We help craft breweries grow profits through outsourced accounting, tax compliance, and growth consulting. Visit SB Standard today to learn more and request a discovery call with the team. Peace out.